Welcome to the new episode of Entertainment Geekly, your guide to all things sci-fi, fantasy, animated, reanimated, and generally awesome. I'm Darren Franich. Jeff Jensen is on a secret assignment, so I'm sitting here with our very own Keith Staskowitz. Lucky uh, you. Lucky, lucky me. Lucky you, Keith. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to have you here because uh, I wanted to talk for a while about a TV show that I like a lot, which Jeff hasn't seen yet, even though I keep on you know, knocking on his door, flying out to Los Angeles, knocking on his door, tying him up in the Clockwork Orange machine, and forcing him to watch it. Somehow he still hasn't seen it. He's a, he's a trickster. Jeff, Jeff Jensen is blind. You know yes. that, right? <laughs> He's he's they call him the blind TV critic. He's like the the he's like the uh, what is it uh, like 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 Zatoichi the blind yeah. swordsman. That's what <laughs> like boy, this episode of Justified sounds really good. <laughs> he always talks about the sound quality of the shows he's reviewing. But uh, Keith, I want to talk about the new show on Adult Swim. It airs Mondays at ten thirty called Rick and Morty. Uh, this is created by Dan Harmon of Community and Dan Harmon fame, uh, and Justin. Roy Royland, uh, and Justin Royland voices the two lead characters. And I think the easiest way to describe it is it's really sort of a, a kind of extended back to the future parody, in, 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 at least in, 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 in its base structure. I mean, yeah, it's like the, the wacky scientist and his young protege archetype. Yeah, um, but they take it to the ultimate extreme. Yeah, and, and you know it's funny. Uh, I, I believe at this point about seven or eight episodes have aired. Uh, I've sort of watched the first, or no, six episodes have aired, and I've seen the first five. And just kind of like going back through each episode, I was struck by the fact that like there's some episodes that in my head had actually been two different episodes because just so much tends to happen in them. Like my favorite one so far was Lawnmower Dog. Um, where, <laughs> like, like the sort of like B plot of the episode was that Rick, the sort of like uh, you know Doc Brown scientist character, uh, gives uh, the family dog Snuffles sort of super intelligence, and he winds up you know leading a whole race of super intelligent dogs, and that takes all kinds of bizarre twists and turns. Not even the most like that is not even like like the, the key part of the episode though, because meanwhile Rick and Morty are engaged in this sort of initially it's an Inception spoof where they're going into Morty's math teacher's brain and then suddenly it becomes a sort of nightmare on elm street spoof well they always they always take like a very basic mad scientist concept like a love potion or uh you know inner like uh what inner space going inside of someone um but they take it you know they take it to like a crazy place and uh they also kind of highlight the fact that essentially you know doc brown is kind of a not very responsible character. He gets this poor high school student shot at by Libyans, you know, in Back to the Future. <laughs> and so in this one, you know, Rick is just a horrible person. He's Morty's grandfather and, and a scientist, but he's also an alcoholic. He, like, semi-sociopath, cares about, like, nobody but himself. I think the first scene of the whole series is him, like kind of deciding whether or not to just nuke humanity. Well, while drunkenly like like, like, like like flying a flying machine. So yeah, this is the first introduction to the character is he is like completely drunk and he may or may not be just like destroying the world. And like somehow the show has actually developed him in, in an even crazier direction since then, which is pretty remarkable. Well, the best thing about it is I think one of the great things about it is also one of the great things about Community is that while it is ostensibly parodying these things, it also exploits them to their fullest extent, you know, there's this episode called Anatomy Park, uh, which that's the the inner space one where they they go inside of a, a homeless person um, that Rick has been building a, uh, a a Jurassic Park style kind of amusement park inside of him. 
uh, and then he dies while they're in there, and so they're just stuck inside of a dead hobo. But it still feels like, you know, it feels like, like we got to go through the, you know, constricting vesicles or whatever. But it's, you know... It's it still feels like one of those. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting, you know, because uh, watching that, I was reminded of uh, there's a really old like sci-fi movie that used to play on, uh, you know, it, it, it played on some cable network before whatever cable network that was became the sad parody of, of that cable network. Oh, you're, you're thinking of Jurassic Park? Yeah, exactly. That's a really no, 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 old. Um, uh, it, 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 it was called Fantastic Voyage. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the funny thing is that somehow like that episode, and this is also true of Community as well, it sort of took the same basic excitement of what it was parodying like you know there is something like intrinsically fun about the sort of you know we're you know we've been shrunk down in someone's body and you know we got to go from from here to there and oh no like now we're going through this organ is attacking us and this bacteria but at the same time it seemed to be asking all the questions that i imagine the sort of like sardonic nerds in the audience watching fantastic voyage 50 years ago would have said you know like it, it, it feels as if it manages to be both like deconstructing but also reconstructing at the same time i also and it's also hilarious yeah I well be. i, I love <laughs> I will say, like, I love uh, Justin Roiland, the co-creator, also does the both the voices of both Rick and uh, Marty, and I just kind of love it. It's a it's kind of a weird thing that he's doing because there's a lot of stops and starts and well, like and, uh, I, I, was, I was reading about like apparently most of his dialogue as Rick is like more or less improvised, which is why like like Rick just has all these strange sort of ticks and he like, like belches in the middle of sentences, yeah, yeah, which is weird because like again for a show that feels in one respect so kind of it has to be kind of rigidly constructed on the sort of script basis because again like things spiral out of control so quickly it gives it this weird sort of almost improv. Of, like you know, sketch show quality, and it also gives me a theory, uh, which is because theory they're alert. because they're both. Um, He's gonna do a theory alert. You know, it's really amazing that you pre-record those <laughs> and you just have a button for all of them. I just have I have ten <laughs> buttons in front of me. They're all just they're all alerts. just different words with alert in it's, it. Yeah, there's there's a spoiler alert, theory alert. Uh, I, I I actually sounded the Keith alert. The, at, at the and then the, the best, my favorite one is the awkward silence alert, where <laughs> neither of us say anything for a beat. And... Awkward silence alert. <laughs> So anyhow, Keith, what were you saying? Uh, I was saying uh, that uh, Justin Roiland voices both Rick and Morty, which led me to my uh, my uh, my theory that uh, Rick, you know, some sort of like grandfather paradox thing, because they're always going, you know, they tra- they have a time machine, they travel back in time. Uh, Rick is ostensibly Morty's grandfather. Oh, what if they're the same person? They're the same. What person. if he is? He is his own grandfather. Oh man! So and like now- that. I mean, that that would be, and I feel like that would be right up the show's. Kind of cynical alley of like, oh, this is your horrible future. This is your horrible future, and and in turn, you've now come back to like like maybe help your younger self, but actually, no, no you just ruin yourself. Just, yeah, you, yeah, you you continuously ruin yourself. Which again, time. another Dan Harmon theme of you're your own worst enemy. <laughs> Keith, that's a bold theory, man. Do you yeah. think? Do you think like like, like is, is is that going to only really be explored in, in season ten though? Is that yeah? Like, I think <laughs> no. It's uh, after season six for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, uh, d- d- talking about later seasons. I mean, so when this show was first announced, I was like, okay, like Dan Harmon, uh, cartoon show uh, based on what seems to me like a pretty, you know, like like he discussed how it was influenced by Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Doctor Who, both of which I love, but which you know seemed to me like this was going to be like sort of cult hit. You know, beloved, not necessarily high rated, which is really, you know, adults room has plenty of shows like that that last forever. But apparently, it's actually doing very well in the ratings. Like, I think it's been like averaging about 1.7 viewers. It's doing really well oh, with wow. men under 35. I, I think last night there was some. 
I boy, I I wish I, I, I I'm I'm really showing that I'm not James Hibbard here, but there was some demographic. I think it was men under 35 where it beat all the broadcast networks. So like that's amazing. Yeah, I know. That's incredible? crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's like better than Community ever. <laughs> it may actually be higher rated in some respects than Community, which is so funny. But and it, it, to me, it's great too because you know we're talking so much about the two main characters, but this is also one of those shows where I mean the guest stars have been David Cross, Tom Kenny, Dana Carvey, John Oliver. Like I, I get the sense that he, you know, in, in sort of it, 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 this is another show where Dana Harmon is just for calling up his Rolodex. Like, yo, do you want to play like a crazy, you know, interspatial being living inside of? A but also, all those body? people are gr- like really great voice actors as well. They're not, you know, Tom Kenny is fantastic, and well, and it's it's funny too because uh, you know I, I realized you know in watching this and really enjoying it a lot, like I realized that this is the first cartoon on Adult Swim that I've gotten into in a while because I feel like for a while now they've been in this phase of like doing you know super interesting you know, parodic or otherwise crazy live action shows like Eagle Heart, uh, NTSF, Children's Hospital, The Heart She Holler. Mm-hmm. Whereas this to me is really like, I mean, you know, it's almost funny to compare this to some of the earlier Adult Swim shows that I, you know, I loved and were hugely formative, like, you know, Aqua Teen Hunger Force or whatever it's called at this point, Frisky Dingo. Rick and Morty, though, it's like a kind of great looking show. It I mean, is. Like- I'm honestly genuinely <laughs> impressed. They really, you know what it is? It's not even necessarily that it has like, I don't know, Futurama level, like crisp animation quality. It's It's very imaginative. Yeah. Like I just finished watching the most recent episode uh, and you know, not to spoil that much, but people turn into horrible, horrible monsters. <laughs> um, and but the monsters are so each one is unique and it's very specific and it's very like Cronenbergian. And I think there's a real specificity to the to the animation that's like surprisingly good. Yeah, well, it's it, done at, at I think Starburns Studios, which Starburn is Studios. yeah, yeah, yeah. In uh, it, it, they have this like castle in Burbank, and it's it's run by like <laughs> Harmon and and Dino Stamatopoulos, also known as Starburns on Community. Um, and it's you know it's the same place where they kind of did the most recent uh, moral oral special. Now, and now I should note here though for the listeners, uh, Keith, like uh, Starburns Industries, that's kind of your mecca. I, I, yes, I that is your like that, well, is, that is your alpha and omega. I mean, like like I, I feel like it's a little known place, but like I don't know the, the things that they put out. Well, people don't know that. Incredible. Like, so Dino Stamatopoulos is known as Starburns on Community, but he uh, also you know was in the writers' room for some of the best the most impressive writers rooms in history you know they're they're in the 90s which is like what i refer to as Jeff history <laughs> all of history to me is contained in the 90s um no uh ben stiller show i think he was on letterman for a while he also uh also the dana carvey show which while not necessarily the best show had like a crazy writers room i had wasn't, dave chappelle yeah, and like- louis ck <laughs> uh dino samatopoulos it had it had charlie kaufman on it like Incredible. insane um, well, so now uh, it's funny because uh, you're bringing up Dino Stamatopoulos, and I have you on here, so I, I, we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, a couple years ago, you sort of randomly started chattering on. You know, we have we have our lunches where you know we often discuss really important important events. You know, important themes of the day. You know, I, I, I sort of consider ourselves the Algonquin Roundtable if there were only two of us and not at the Algonquin or round or really. At a table, even. Yeah, we just eat on the floor. We just, we just eat on the floor. Uh, but uh, you started talking about a show called Moral Oral. And to be honest, I sort of just like stopped listening to you almost immediately. Yeah, yeah like, like usual. Sort of like, like usual. <laughs> you know, whenever your mouth opened, all I heard was like, you know, a faint buzzing sound. Uh, but this is uh, this, like, I finally did catch up on Moral Oral. And I, 
This show completely for me fell through the cracks. When was it even on? Because it originally aired on Adult Swim. Yeah, I don't even know. Like two, four, or five, yeah, five, something like that. It had it had a uh, two two seasons. God, I don't even. I think three it had seasons. it had it had three total seasons. Yeah. but the last one and I mean. Oh no! So, yeah, three well, seasons. Well, and 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 I mean, like uh, initially, and I think the reason why I was skeptical was that uh, you know here again is another show that it seems like. The setup is a pretty basic parody. I mean, like it's it's kind of done in the claymation style and very much resembles the old Davy and Goliath specials. Which yeah, like, I mean, and as it's a, as, a, as a Catholic school kid, that was like mandatory viewing. Also, back in like two thousand four, you know, going after conservative values or fundamentalist Christians wasn't exactly that novel, considering yeah. you know it was Bush era and we were, uh, you know, in Iraq and all that stuff. Like that, that stuff. It seemed like pretty. Yeah, Pretty it easy. Seemed, it seemed very easy marks. Uh, but I mean, like you know, as you sort of told me, like I, I still remember, like you know, when there was a whole kind of period of lunches when you just like come in and say, like, oh my god, like moral oral is incredible. Like, well, what? Like, to try to explain what happens exactly. So the the, the, the first season is like insane. the first season is essentially uh, you know what we just described, although done well. You know, uh, there's a basic structure where uh, oral, who is this super upstanding, very Christian child, uh, gets these. Uh, lessons or axioms from his father and takes them too far. So if he's told that hard, you know, it's good to do hard work, he becomes a crack addict and then works really hard just so he can support his crack. Or like, like there's another episode where like he's sort of told that like, uh, you know, um, you know, women getting pregnant is is sort of a blessing for them. So he goes around and like gets all women pregnant and it's really like, it's just like him sort of constantly misunderstanding these, these sort of moral lessons. But then at, at, at a certain point, like towards the end of the first season until the second season, it started becoming this really intense, kind of dramatic show about the characters in the town and all of their failings and their hopes and dreams and his father's an alcoholic and I mean it's it, it, they start reading like Alice Munro short stories yeah and no, well, no it, it's funny because like you even have these characters who are introduced as I mean you know it's to me very kind of over the top you know funny but very kind of over the top sort of like like satirical figures you know you have this sort of uh, this this reverend whose main focus is on like you know trying to like you know get laid essentially and then like there'll be an episode focused on him that really yeah it reads like like a John Cheever short story well, they, and they all don't they like none of them even really have real names they're all just named after like very obvious things about claymation yeah there's like like Oral Puppington and his father Clay Puppington yeah <laughs> and I, I actually talked to uh, Dino Stamatopoulos once about this and he, you know he said one of his goals was to take these characters that were as two dimensional as possible and then over the course you know of, of the show make them extremely three dimensional and then the third season is just Bonkers. Yeah, I, mean, I would like, also like to point out that the end of the second season, the last episode of the second season, is dedicated to John Cassavetes, like with not as a joke. So I challenge you to find me any adult I mean, swim I mean, episode I mean, like, that like, earns its dedication I mean, to John Cassavetes. I'm hesitant to spoil to spoil that episode too much because the first time I saw it, I, I really think that is one of my just like favorite achievements in television ever. But it really is important. I, I think it's important to watch it. After seeing the first couple of seasons, because, you know, yeah, as you point out, there is this sort of steady evolution where it's kind of like things are happening. The episodes aren't as kind of like, uh, you know, they don't kind of follow the same rhythms that they used to. And then there's this sort of lengthy episode where the only setup is that Oral and his dad go hunting. And like, 
it just becomes it becomes crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's like I mean, it's it it sort of has the vibe of a Cassavetti's movie, but it also feels really sort of almost like dark and gothic in a way, and it's a lot about the dad. I mean, like it's amazing. No, I mean, not to just keep dropping short stories writers, but like like that one feels like super yeah, Raymond Carver. I can't I can't imagine how the show didn't do well when everyone was raving. Uh, oh, it's like it's like Cheever meets Carver with a little bit of Alice Monroe. But it, and then the third season is insane because it's it's a series of interlocking stories about different characters in the town that all kind of centers around the same few days yeah, and, and, and like what happened at the you know and, and, hunting and it's even stranger because there'll be one episode that's set a day before and then one episode that's set a day later and like you know sometimes you'll kind of I mean it's funny because in a way it anticipates a little bit what Arrested Development would do in a much sort of crazier way but you're kind of constantly sort of like you're seeing these characters before and after this big event happens to them I mean to me that has to be like because initially, initially that third season was supposed to be 20 episodes it was cut down to 13 and if I recall correctly, I mean, maybe uh, maybe Dino Stamatopoulos said this. Wasn't like Adult Swim just kind of like, it's getting too weird, guys? Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, apparently the guy, the head of it really loved the show, but they like they were like, we can't like uh-huh. continue this. And the other weird thing is like towards, like towards the end, you realize, oh, this has kind of stopped being a parody about Christianity because Oral is still super Christian and it's kind of because he's the only person that really believes in what, he's selling that he is a good person. Yeah, I mean I mean it, it does seem like initially the show does sort of feel like 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 Oral is the sort of figure of uh of fun, but then eventually he just becomes he's like the one person who's just like all I all I want to do is do the right thing. How can how can no one show me what that is? It, it, yeah, I I couldn't recommend it highly higher. So so Stamatopoulos uh or, or at least his his company has something to do with Rick and Morty. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I think, think it was produ- it was produced there. And, and, they have like a they had, yeah, they have like a castle, I think. Are in, they are they Still Burbank. doing because uh, magician's castle. There was some Kickstarter project they were working on, right? Wasn't that like a, a, a yeah? Like a it, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's funny. This is all, it, it all goes back to the Dana Carvey show, but it was some Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. It, it starts right? with a. It's some weird word like anhedonia, but that's the Annie Hall movie. <laughs> um, it's some weird word like you know Raymond <laughs> Raymond Raymond Carver's anhedonia. <laughs> Something that'll really get the kids laughing. Um, but yeah, no, they were doing a claymation version of of that. Uh, They've got a few other things on board too. It's, I mean, yeah, that's it's exciting for me. I mean, because and again, like seeing that Rick and Morty is apparently doing really well. It is this example of like here are a lot of people who've really been doing incredible work, very much sort of on the margins, and it, it, it's interesting to see that like this this could finally be the thing that's sort of like because really, I mean, Rick and Morty. I I I don't think it's any less weird per se. Uh, than those earlier shows. If anything, it, it, it might be even more out there. But it so. is, but it is more traditional in terms of the storytelling. You know, it's not just absurdist. It's not just. Right. It has like real kind of writing chops. Well, well, and like I'm sort of intrigued to see how they develop some of the other characters because you know, along with Rick and Morty, there are there's his father voiced by Chris Parnell, who's kind of like a, Chris Parnell, man, making an awesome career out of his voice roles on these shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's also on Cyril Archer, on Archer, yeah. right? And it, it seems like his character has come along so far. Meanwhile, uh, the mom and the daughter are voiced by Sarah Chalk and Spencer Grammer. I'm sort of like, I hope these aren't just Meg from Family Guy. Like, I, yeah, I, 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 I I hope to see more of you know like them sort of develop, or alternately, maybe the show just gets rid of them. You know, there there is definitely a. Well, it feels of like the world ends like every other week, <laughs> right. so I'm sure you could just do whatever you want. Um, now, uh, Keith, uh, while I have you here, I want to also talk about a show that airs on the same network, sort of. 
uh, on the same night, but in under very different circumstances. Uh, before Cartoon Network transforms into Adult Swim, which I think happens at eight o'clock. Yeah, like when Bruce Wayne turns into Batman. Right, exactly. Right, like when the sun goes down. <laughs> it when it when it undergoes the American uh, werewolf in Paris transformation <laughs> and goes from being a you know charming youngster into a horrific monster. Uh, Seven o'clock on Mondays. Uh, Adventure Time is currently in its fifth season. Uh, now we. <laughs> I did not realize this until I, I looked it up, you know, the kind of episode list on Wikipedia. But there's apparently just been a new Adventure Time every week for the last year and a half. Yeah. This- See, well, season three has been 52 episodes, well, I think. Well, so so now, now Keith, uh, I actually had a pop quiz for you. How many episodes as of today, Wednesday, January 29th, 2014, how many episodes total of Adventure Time do you think have aired throughout the show's run? These are the 15-minute episodes? Yeah, yeah. I would guess, let's see, I'd guess... Three seconds. 116. Well, that's not bad, but it's not good. 150 episodes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, this is like... And it's funny, because to me... You know, I can't remember a time when a cartoon, at least that I've been following, has been produced at such an aggressive pace. But looking back over the episodes, at least the ones I've seen this season, I mean, this, this season, if anything, has been sort of even more kind of exploritative and more sort of, like, ambitious. I mean, we should tell listeners, this is, of course, the show that... I mean, boy, it's it's hard to even kind of explain the concept initially because I mean, it's it's a boy and his dog, right? Boy uh, and his dog go on adventures in a fantasy world. In a, in a fantasy world that is sort of an all-encompassing fantasy world. Sometimes you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's science fiction, sometimes it's post-apocalyptic, sometimes it's just you know, essentially Candyland, quite literally. But this season, um, I mean, I want to say if there's been a through line, it was sort of the Flame Princess stuff initially, right? Like Finn. Who at this point is in his like maybe er, mid early teens? He's, um, he's in his yeah, yeah. Because the other weird thing, the other great thing about the show is that he is actually aging upwards along with his yeah. voice actor. So well, like, I mean, the thing that's really amazing about the show is you know it started off. I think people thought it was ostensibly for kids, but and it, and it is, but it's really for everyone and. What's a, what it's, it does? It's, re- it's really for cool people. It's really for cool people. I think it's really for us too, <laughs> just us. Nobody else watching. Um, no, what's amazing about it is that they they manage to really both make each episode their own thing, uh, and not only just like story wise, but also stylistically. You know, storyboarders are also writers on the show, and you know, if someone has written the show and is storyboarding it, like it, the show will kind of trend toward more towards their personal style, mm-hmm. which is great because you can watch different episodes and they have very different stylistic, you know, a- a- aesthetic kind of guidelines. Mm-hmm. And so that really helps switch stuff I up. I didn't, I didn't realize I mean, you, that. yeah, oh, it's cool. like some people use kind of Jake's morphing ability more. Some people go more like gross. Some people go more absurdist. Oh, that's, so um, that's funny. That's a total opposite of like, you know, the old model of like send it off to Korea. And, like, yeah. See <laughs> well, but even like, even like the, the main characters will have like slight differences in the way that they're drawn. Um, but then, but then also what's the other thing that's amazing is that even while they're doing this, there is very well tied together. There is a lot of kind of through lines going on, serialized stories, but also a lot of stuff going on in the background. I mean, the, the, the main example of this is from the start, uh, there have been these clues, you know, at least in the first like season and a half, there were all, all these clues in the background, you know. Sometimes you just get a glimpse of a hollowed out car or in one episode in order to confront this villain, they go down to an old subway tunnel. 
And you get this sense that, oh, wait, this isn't just a fantasy world. This is actually a post-apocalyptic world. And then, you know, as we go on, we've learned more and more stuff about it. But it's like unbelievably subtle the way they kind of slip these things in. You don't really even notice it until there's maybe 10 examples of it. Yeah, well, and like they do the same with the characters. I mean, I think that like, uh, you know, initially you had the character of the Ice King voiced by Tom Kenny, voice, who voices, among other things, SpongeBob SquarePants and probably uh, uh, probably like a million. And, other and Rick and Morty uh, guest star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and Rick and Morty guest star. Uh, the Ice King really did just sort of seem like, okay, this is, this is almost like the sort of, you know, video game villain bad guy. You know, he's the Ice King. He lives up on an icy mountain, he has ice powers, all this stuff. Um, and then, you know, it, it became clear that he was actually a sort of very kind of like hilariously desperate soul. Like, all he wanted to do was like steal princesses and make them fall in love with him. And there was something, again, we're still sort of in the realm of like, you know, this is funny, this is light, this is totally something that like I feel like could, you know, kids could watch and get it immediately. Then you kind of gradually had the sort of buildup of his, of his backstory which just became so interesting. And it, it was very tied into the sort of apocalypse that happened on this earth at some point. And there was a great episode that was just a flashback to before the Ice King was crazy. And it was all about him and another character in a much younger iteration, the vampire Mar- Mar- Marceline? Marceline. Marceline. And I mean, it just, it, it became very like, it somehow, it somehow seems very tragic on the level of like, you know, a sort of like old school Ray Bradbury short story. But it's also very, you know, bright and fun. And there's, I mean, like, I, I love how the show kind of manages to weave that together somehow. Well, also, I mean, from the beginning, he was like an interesting take on the Bowser character, you know, the, the princess abducting character, because he's not really, you know, he's, he's not doing it really because he's evil or whatever. Yeah. He's doing it because he wants a girlfriend and he's pathetic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? He wants a girlfriend. And he's just kind of like a, like one of those like nice guys who like just doesn't understand why nobody likes him and it's because he's a weirdo creep <laughs> that abducts princesses. I mean, and, and this season, I mean, like there have been a lot of... I mean, like what episodes do you stand out from this season? Because like the first one that came to my mind was Root Beer Guy, which is sort of... I mean, like, like to me, I sort of think of this as a classic Simpsons kind of episode where the lead character are very much in the background and suddenly we meet or maybe we just focus on this relatively minor character root beer guy who's kind of just like sort of a very normal person besides the fact that he's a sort of hilariously animated you know talking uh, talking root beer well but, yeah it's like I mean it's a little bit like like as you know the Zeppo where it's just kind of I mean he's not he's not like Xander and Buffy in that he's a member of the group but it's just you know it's it's the normals as while everyone else are having these high flying adventures, it's just this dude with a job, and like and, and there's great stuff of like I'm I'm forgetting what his wife is. I want to say it, it's like like Gumdrop Woman, or, or no, it's like, like a that, like or, like a Cherry Cola or something. Cherry cola, yeah, yeah. And, like, and, like you know they have like what, what feels like a really sort of just realistic argument between like you know a husband and a wife, and I mean like I, I love how the show can sort of just you know veer into that. Versus then there was a great episode Dungeon Train, I think yeah, it was yeah, called, yeah, which was like that was like a nonstop action episode what was it again it was just sort of like they go to... it was a it was a train that goes in a circle and it was essentially a and and you know each car is a different kind of it, like dungeony uh thing and like the dungeon exploring is finn's hobby and they use it for like a number of purposes like when he was dating flame princess one of the episodes he takes her dungeon hunting and she doesn't really like it 
and it's like a really great representation of like when you like when you have a girlfriend and and you really like something and she's just not getting it and it's just like how do you you know it's like people obviously don't like the same things and that horrible feeling of when you're like no no really or like when you're even even like say I was showing someone Adventure Time and being like no really you're really gonna love it and they're just like I don't get it which always happens and which which, which inevitably happens uh, but in this one like that the the train is essentially kind of a. Uh, an allegory for you know the, the straight you know the the closest one is video game playing where you just become obsessive about it and going after these meaningless goals. But really, any any sort of hobby where it becomes your life as opposed to a right. Hobby. And and it was funny to me like with with the video game thing, it felt specifically about like the, like the video games where there really is no end because like Finn was so focused on just like leveling up. Which to me, like when I used to play Call of Duty, that was the essence of how that game works. It's just like, oh man, but like you know, if if I, if I play ten more times, then I'll get like I'll unlock this weapon attachment or something like that. You know, these really sort of basic things that sort of keep on. It, it, to a certain extent, it feels like gambling in a way. You know. Yeah. Well, like, it's like anything where you <laughs> kind of take a goal that is it you know objectively n- not worth anything, and then try and you know put all of your effort into that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Keith, uh, d- we're sort of like uh, winding down on time here, but you, uh, I think, are, I, I think it's fair to say, sort of an expert in Cartoon Network history. Uh, I think I think you have a, you have a PhD I have in, a P- in, anima- <laughs> in animatography uh, or some other made-up thing. Uh, do, do you, where does Adventure Time sit right now as far as like a lot of the great shows that have been uh, on Cartoon Network or even oh, on, uh, on Adult Swim? I mean, for, for me, I think it, it almost exceeds all of them. I mean, mm-hmm. what it's doing is just, is really, really interesting. And yeah. it's really, like, and I get why some people might be turned off from it. There's some kind of like Juno-esque cutesy cute dialogue and, or, or I guess Argo. And, um, it, it, it does feel to me as if the show constantly runs up on being twee and somehow it manages to not be that. Well, cause I, think it, cause I think the episodes actually have something other than their own, you know, adorableness in mind there's like actual lessons to be gleaned and there, and also it gets pretty dark in in certain areas well i mean like i, I think it was this season when like, like jake actually had kids right like yeah <laughs> no and like and there's like literal like you know the paternal fear and like a, like actual i mean they kind of paved over a little bit but it, it, it's a really it's a really interesting show it's a gorgeous looking show it's stylistically different from anything on tv and then it's stylistically different week to week from itself yeah yeah um, i mean like you know i i, I was almost like at some point we should like like make like the canon of shows like that because uh, you know we on this show we've talked a lot about community which really shakes itself up each week x files is the classic example of this like i love shows that are able to do that where each week you know, again, you sort of know what you're getting. You, you, you almost know more of, like, a vibe you're getting. But it could be, you know, this week it's a noir parody focusing on, you know, the minor character Bimo. This week it's a, it's, it's a romance. This week it's a... And, well, and I, I sort of love that kind of, like, I think there's experimentation. Like, there's, like, different types of shows where certain ones, the basic unit of the show is the season. Like The Wire. Like, each season it, feels yeah. kind of like a novel. You know, it's its own thing. Sure. Uh, like then like, there's ones like where, NCIS LA, yeah, yeah. That's all, no, and then all. and then there's ones where the basic unit is the entire show, like Breaking Bad. It's one story, and then there's like these episodes that were just. I mean, these shows where the basic unit is the episode. You know, there's mm-hmm. stuff that ties it together, but it really is each episode sets out to do something and accomplishes it, whether it's in tone or style or 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 topic. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Keith, uh, oh, oh, and you know what? While I have you here, though, I, I had to ask you. So you locked actually, the door. I don't know where I'm going to. We actually met Pendleton Ward. Uh, I think it was at New York Comic Con uh, 20. 11, maybe? 2010? Yeah, something This like is uh, uh, Pendleton Ward, the creator of Adventure Time. Do you still have that drawing that he did of I us? do. At some point, I man, do. I, I, kinda, I just, I, I recall this vividly, because while, while we were sort of like like having an interview with him, this is clearly a guy whose mind is working on three different levels at once. He did this kind of incredible, you know, like, uh, you know, middle of Times Square drawing of the two of us. You looked great, and I looked like a crazy person, if I, if I recall. Yeah, so he, he got our <laughs> likenesses pretty, pretty good. <laughs> you look sort of like, you know, calm, reserved, and thoughtful. And then, and then my hair was exploding out of my head. Uh, Keith Daskowitz, thanks for being here today. Of course. That wraps it up for Entertainment Geekly. I'll be back next week with Jeff Jensen doing a 2014 uh, movie TV forecast and talking about Sherlock. Expect some controversy.